Are you enjoying this change in the weather a little bit? Probably, we're Californians because we know it doesn't last forever, but we get to enjoy the change, right? <laughs> uh, we're going to invite you to stand with us for our opening song, Open the Eyes of My Heart. Happy Sabbath, everybody. So good to see your beautiful faces this morning. So glad that you can join us here at Cala Mesa Church. As you all know, we have been going through our generation series for the last couple of weeks. And, you know, last week we did our youth series. And today it is young adults. 
So uh, we are super excited. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. And before we start um, into the announcements, we're just going to play a quick video. Um, for those of you who do not know, I think today is Creation Sabbath. So we're just going to play a quick video in regards to that. On that note, if, you know, today, because of Creation Sabbath, you'd want to go on a hike or go spend some time outdoors today, it's one of those perfect days to do it. Um, yeah, who, who doesn't like going out to the outdoors or just spending some time by the lake? Um, but uh, before we start into the announcements, also just a reminder, on November 4th, um, which is next week at 4 p.m., we're going to be having the Celebration of Life service for uh, Doris and Ross. Um, so please come here. Um, it will be live streamed as well if you're not going to be able to attend. 4 p.m. on November 4th will be uh, that as well. Um, and we also have another one as well on, uh, for, on, it is, sorry here, the dates got messed up. The first Sabbath in December is going to be for the memorial service for Troy Hooker as well. Uh, it's going to be here, uh. We still do not know the time yet, but the first Sabbath in December will, will be that memorial service. Um, also, as well, we have some other announcements. Um, we are continuing having the, the, Bible, the, the literature rack in the back. So if you have somebody who you know you would like to give literature to, um, please uh, be free to take it. We're always replenishing it every week. And uh, please take that. And I also have an announcement here from Bimi as well. She said, right after church today, the primary Sabbath school is doing potluck service um, and a service project to pack blessing bags uh, for the unhoused. So please, they will be on the fellowship hall. Um, and it's for the primary families, grades one through four. So they'll be packing blessing bags. I know they've been raising up funds for this as well, and they're super excited to be doing this. So after church today, please go over there to the fellowship hall, and they will be uh, doing that as well. We're just so glad that you can all be a part of our church service. Oh, yes, and one more thing. Darius has an announcement as well. I just want to take a quick moment to invite all ladies to take a look at the flyer that's in with their bulletin. I know we've been announcing it each week. But we're getting close. It's just two weeks away till the Women's Vespers. And by the way, this is for the older women, the not quite so older women, the younger women. Please, this is not just for those of us who have difficulty getting around anymore. 
we want everyone there. And it's not going to be a big church service. There will be an ins inspirational speaker for a few minutes. There will be a few songs. And there's going to be a meal and social time. So please come and be a part of the women's group. That's on Friday night, November 10. Next Sabbath, one week from today, is the deadline to register. There's no cost, but we need to know how many are coming so we don't have not enough food or way too much food. So please go online. This tells you just how to do that. Register, and we hope we'll see all of you there. Thank you for that. And one more th announcement. As always, we always have prayer in this in the prayer room over here to the side of the church. So if you're in need of prayer or you just want to come in and, and have some prayer time with our church family and some of our elders, uh, we always have that available. Um, and you're more than welcome to join. So now is our time to look around and see somebody you haven't seen all week and give them, give them a hug, give them a nice smile, or ask them how their week is going. So for, for now, let us just get up, say hi to everybody, give them a nice hug. If you don't know somebody either, go introduce yourself. You know, ask them a couple of questions, get to know them a little bit, and have a happy Sabbath, everybody. So I know we like, I know we enjoy spending time talking to each other, but now it's time to get back to our seats. I'm glad that you are all saying hi to each other. I love seeing this. But now it is time for our children's story. And for all of our kids, uh, please come on up and, you know, look for those dollar bills. I know you see them, 
We take Venmo now, too, and Cash App, and Zelle. I'm just kidding. We're not there yet. Yeah, so just look up. As you all know, the, the funds and our proceeds always go for to Mesa Grande and support our Adventist education. Today, our children's story will be by Uncle John Barrett. Good morning, young people. It's so nice to see you here today. I have a story for you. This story took place when I was just uh, about 13 years old. But you can learn from this story, I believe, because I, I think about it from time to time. When I was that age, I was in the city of Mentone. Mentone's not far away from here. You know, they're famous for one thing, rocks. They have more rocks than anybody I know. And right behind our house, there was a lady, older lady, who bought a piece of flat land right behind our house. And she didn't like rocks at all. And she made it her mission in life to pick up rocks. She made piles of rocks. And after she got done picking up the rocks that were up on top of the ground, she went to digging. She dug down. I guess she was going to build a house someday. And she dug up rocks, and she started piling all of them. Well, one day, I went out. My dad had asked me to water his orange trees. And so I went out, and I turned on the water just a little bit, and left it and I saw this lady her name was Mabel and Mabel was digging and boy she was already about at her at her uh, midsection in the hole well I said boy Mabel's going deep today so she kept digging and I walked away I wasn't there for a while 
Later in the day, much later in the day, I went out there, turned the water off. And I didn't see Mabel, but I saw where she was digging. So I turned off the water, and I turned around to go. And I heard this little sound. It was, oh, oh. And I thought the wind was blowing in the trees or something. And I, I went, what? So I said, oh, it's nothing. I turned around again, and I heard, oh, oh. And I said, where's that coming from? I said, Mabel? Help! Help! And I said, Mabel? Well, we only had a little fence that separated us, so I jumped right over. Mabel was down in a hole. She really was. I went, you dug a hole so deep you got yourself stuck there. I said, uh, I reached down, I tried to pick her, pick her up, and I was right on the edge of the hole, and I said, Mabel, I, I got to go get a ladder. You're going to pull me in, too. Then there'll be two of us stuck in that hole. So I went back over the fence to the garage, grabbed a ladder, and my dad walked up. Came out of his car, and he said, what are you doing, John? I said, well, Mabel's stuck in a hole back there, and I got to help, help try to get her out. So we went back there, put the ladder down, and Mabel climbed back out of that hole. And the next thing Mabel did was to get back on the ladder and go down in the hole. She says, I forgot my shovel. <laughs> and she came out with her shovel, and, and there went Mabel. And I, I said, Dad, you know what this reminds me of? When I get in a hole in life and I can't get out, I think it's a good idea up to heaven and ask for some help. Couldn't hurt, right? I think it's the right thing to do. And I'll tell you from my life experience, I've been in the hole many times. And I've had to ask for help. And somehow I think God always listens to us. And he's always helped me out. And I know he'll help you out. So try to remember that. If you find yourself stuck sometime, maybe a bully at school, look up to God and He'll get you out of the deal. Anyway, you're going to sing a song, I guess. And um, if you'll sit right there or whatever they ask you to do, thank you, boys and girls. Thank you, Uncle John. Boys and girls, let's stand up. You can even come up on the stage with us. Yes, let's all stand up. We're going to sing a song and do the motions together. And we're going to ask all the big adults out there, too, to stand up with us to do the motions. On three, let's ask them to please stand up. Ready? One, two, three. Please, please stand, stand up. Okay, let's sing Let Us Come Together and do the motions. Let us come together, praise the name of Jesus. All you people of the earth, come and see. Let us come together, praise the name of Jesus. All you people of the earth, come and cheer. For his joy is like the sunshine and it's raining down upon us. Joy is like a golden crown. Let us come together, praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 
much for participating with us. It's so much fun to really make the intergenerational activities come to life. And thanks for giving me the chance to catch my breath after all that work. (laughs) Right now, we're going to have the call for the offering. And this week's offering is marked offering is going towards the Calexico Mission School. And one of my cousins taught, she was a longtime member here, Amy Lloyd, now Golan. She taught at Calexico for a long time. And um, so I looked up online just to see what that school is all about. We stayed there for choir tours with Mesa Grande and, you know, would interact with the students. But I wanted to see what it is that we are supporting when we put our money towards the Calexico Mission School. And when I looked at the history of the Mission School, it turns out that there was back in the 19, late 1920s, there were teachers in that area trying to do a homeschool Christian-based education, and a missionary came along and tried to help turn that into something more formalized. And there was even a decade there um, where not only were they teaching English as a second language for children, but they were also teaching it to their parents in the evening. And so there is a long and rich history of our involvement with that school in that location. And I understand that now they have about 300 students who are primarily non-Adventist Mexican residents. So many of the students are even crossing over back and forth to come to school each day. And the mission of the school is to help prepare them to be successful in the United States or Mexico, depending where they go from there. And so apparently they have one of the lowest tuitions in our entire conference, um, which supports about 80% of their budget. But the rest of what they can do, including campus improvement, comes from our giving. And so I invite you to give today on behalf of the work they are doing there. If your offering is unmarked, as every Sabbath, it will go towards church budget. So you can just keep that tucked away in your mind. Uh, And at this time, I'd like to invite the deacons to come forward and we'll have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to worship with our church family this morning. Just the opportunity to gather weekly and to have this sense of fellowship and community is so special, and I think we sometimes take it for granted. I thank you as well for the blessings uh, that we experience each day, and even just the blessings of relative financial security that we enjoy uh, in our American lifestyle. I pray that you will impress upon the hearts of those here uh, to give and to give freely if, it, if you call them to do so on behalf of the mission of the Calexico Mission School so that your work can be furthered in the lives of those students and those faculty and staff as well. We thank you for your blessings. We ask you to call our t- attention to the things we should be grateful for, uh, but we also ask that you will hear our concerns as well. Thank you for your love and the promises that you um, envelop us with through your word and your promise that we can always look to you for our hope and our uh, security in life. In your name I pray, amen. We invite you to sing with us. This one might be a new one for you. It's called Firm Foundation, but it is our message that we are championing today. And so we invite you to jump in as soon as you start to get a feel for it. is my firm foundation 
I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness.
Join me in kneeling for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today on this beautiful Sabbath, grateful for your goodness and your faithfulness. Father, the cooler weather this week reminds us that there is indeed a change in season in store. We look around and we see the colors of the leaves, the leaves that fall on the ground. And today, Father, we ask you to help us let go of the things that may impede our relationship with you. The fear, the pride, the self-sufficiency that often gets in the way of seeing who you are. Today, Father, there are those that are in need of prayer. There are those that are hurting. There are those that are in need of encouragement. And we ask that you will demonstrate in a tangible way this week your goodness and faithfulness to them. Today, Father, we think of the young adults in our congregation. We ask a blessing upon them as they face challenges that are unique to that generation. Bless them and strengthen them. Today, Father, there are some that may have come here who have questions, perhaps even doubts, wondering if you can indeed be trusted, trusted with their pain, their discouragement. Father, today I pray that like Gideon of old, we will hear a word today that will make us bold and courageous. We will leave here inspired and reminded of your faithfulness. We ask all these things in your name. 
easier to just kind of uh, create your own little church service at home, um, you know, listen to the music that you want to listen to, listen to the sermon that aligns perfectly with your theology, um, but God calls us to community. My goal for Talmud to church is to continue to grow that community. Amen. on testing 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 good oh can you hear me not yet testing 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 all right there we go thanks Harold surely the presence of the Lord is in this place man weren't those awesome answers we are so blessed by the young adults in our church. Most um, demographers, I think I'm saying that right, today will say that a young adult is someone who is between the age of 18 and 35. So I, I passed that mark a few years back. Even though I'm a millennial, and a lot of young adults today are still Millennials, but we also got some Gen Zers coming up in the younger years of that range. Uh, some might say it's more like 18 to 30, uh, but most would agree that it's 18 to 35 years old. Those young adult years are the times when we are making some of the biggest decisions in our lives, often deciding what our career will be, what we will devote our lives to doing. 
connected with that is then maybe what kind of school, education, trade school, or um, advanced degree we might get for that career. We decide if we marry, whom we will marry largely in that time period, not only, but largely in that time period. We likely will be deciding on some big financial decisions, um, maybe deciding how you're going to pay for that education, student loans, or working lots of extra jobs. Are you going to buy a car? Maybe you're getting ready to buy your first house. They are little years for our spiritual lives and faith. And it's often in those years that we are establishing patterns and priorities that will set the course for the rest of our lives, which, of course, impact our spiritual lives. These are years that are important and where important decisions are made. And I think something that is important for a church family to be aware of is how the decisions of young adults today may be a little bit more complex than when we were young adults. I have a slide, hopefully that made it up there. Uh, this is not to overgeneralize the journey of young adults in prior generations. Uh, we know that there's some exceptions to this, but when you zoom out and look at the, the macro uh, data uh, for research on what the journey was like, what the reality was like for those in their young adult years, their journey through those years uh, in generations prior to the one now that is in that young adult age group. This is kind of the progression. It was more of a linear progression of high school, college, job, marriage, kids. And, and maybe some of those were interchanged, but in general, it was this linear progression. Now I want to show you the slide of what young adults today are kind of experiencing. This is their reality. As you can see, it's not quite as linear, right? There's some different challenges and timelines and ways things are, are being prioritized that are so different than when we were in those young adult years. It would also be good for us to have an awareness of some statistics about young adults. One in four young adults say that they are working through feelings of loneliness, isolation, and anxiety. A lot of research in the past few years shows this to be the case. That loneliness and isolation, of course, doesn't get any better. The more digital we become, the more individualistic and impersonal the world becomes. All of that journey is hard enough to do when you've got good support systems around you. But when things become more and more detached, individualistic, you've got to journey through that largely, they feel like, on their own, in isolation. A lot of their feelings for anxiety come from uncertainty about the future, fear of failure, a pressure to be successful, a pressure they largely, the research says, put on themselves, but society also puts on them. You know, young adults have become often a scapegoat of sorts for a myriad of societal problems and changes. I remember in my young adult years, I would see an article maybe almost every other week about millennials and how they are lazy and entitled and careless. And uh, in the news today, you still sometimes see publications blaming millennials for this thing or that thing. A certain industry is declining. Well, millennials must be involved. Not enough money getting generated in certain sectors. Those stingy millennials are spending too much money on avocado toast again. <laughs> Fair or not, this has been kind of the mantra, the, 
the general rhetoric surrounding millennials and Gen Zers as well. And it has taken a toll on the mental health and self-confidence of young adults today. Another study I came across, a recent one uh, this past week, surveyed thousands of young adults between the age of 22 and 38, and an astounding 80% of those surveyed believe they are not good enough in virtually all areas of their lives. Furthermore, 75% of the survey's respondents admit that they constantly feel overwhelmed by pressure to succeed in their careers, find meaningful romantic relationships, uh, meet others' expectations, and maintain a personal, uh, sorry, maintain a a good presence on social media. In all, 80% of respondents say that these worries have negatively impact their sleep and admit their overall mental health has suffered. These are some realities that are important for us as a church family to be aware of today. I think it would also be good for us to take a moment to have an awareness of some of the things that matter to young adults when it comes to church. This is not an exhaustive list, but some of the top things. In fact, in one of the more recent studies that Barna did uh, on why young adults come to church, they found that the top two answers to be primarily, number one, to grow in their faith, and number two, to learn more about God. Those were the top two answers, not worship style or even community, as important as that is. They are coming to church because they want to grow in their faith and learn more about God. The top two things in that same study uh, that the young adults said were missing from the church that they wish was more of there was, number one, attendance of their friends. They would like to see more of their peers in church. And the second one was opportunities to fight injustice and oppression. Those were the two things they said are missing that matter the most to us. Young adults place a high priority in the church for having meaningful relationships and community, specifically a community that is welcoming and accepting. And we heard that loud and clear, right, in the video this morning. They place a high value on being authentic, being real, being vulnerable, having church be a safe place for questions and doubts. They care a lot about positively contributing to their community, both locally and globally, as we also heard in the video, being good neighbors. And last, but certainly not least, they want their church to take Jesus and his message seriously. I think it's safe to say that I speak for all of us here, church family, when I say that those are absolutely things that we should prioritize as a church, right? And I think it's also safe to say that we recognize that we haven't always prioritized those things as well as we should. Maybe a good focus for us today would be to zero in on one of these priorities young adults have for the church. And we're going to zero in on that last priority mentioned, taking Jesus and his message seriously. I was led to focus on that this week because I was reflecting and reading on a story in the Gospels where a young adult encounters Jesus. And that seemed to be the priority that was focused on in that story. So I thought that's where we would go today. If you have your Bibles or if you'd like to follow on the screen, open to Matthew, the 19th chapter, starting in verse 16. 
Matthew, the 19th chapter, starting in verse 16. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to have eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. There are three characteristics we notice of this rich man in the story. Number one, he is a moral person, a good moral person. He is the kind of man that you would like to have as your neighbor. He probably follows all of the HOA guidelines and rules, keeps his lawn mowed and his weeds pulled and his car washed in his driveway, unlike some neighbors that I have in, in my neighborhood. But more importantly, he's the kind of person that just, he has integrity. He is concerned about doing the right thing, and the community notices that. He is a moral person, a good person. When Jesus, or sorry, when he asked Jesus the question, what shall I do to have eternal life? Jesus says, keep the commandments. He says, which ones? And Jesus lists them. He says, I've done all that. He is a moral person. Secondly, he is a wealthy man. In fact, the text says he had great wealth. In other words, he had whatever he needed by way of this world's blessings. Some scholars speculate that this combination of moral standing and great wealth means that he's likely a, a Pharisee or a religious leader of some kind. The community would have held him in high regard. And thirdly, the text says that he is a young man. We don't get that right at the beginning, but then later on in the story, we hear twice, he is a young man. Now, that word in the Greek that is translated as young here has a little difference of opinion on it from some scholars. Some say the meaning of that word is anyone past the age of puberty up to the point of when they are married. So maybe a, a, a not particularly large window of time, but then some others will say, no, that Greek word for young here is talking about a larger window of time. It could refer to someone in their early 20s all the way up to their 40s when they truly enter, enter middle adulthood and take on more responsibility. It is, in fact, the same root word that Paul uses uh, when he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, where he says, don't let anyone look down on you. You remember that text? Because you are young, or because of your youth. And many scholars think Timothy is around late 20s, early 30s during that time, as Paul is writing that. So maybe he is a young adult. Whatever interpretation you take of that word, it is clear he is an adult that is younger. He is a young man. And he comes to Jesus with this question. First of all, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? But then he asks that second question, which fascinates me the most. What do I lack? 
It's amazing he would even ask such a question, considering the fact that everything is at his fingertips, right? To live a comfortable, good life. He is wealthy and successful. He's a good person. He's making good choices. Yet he still says, there's something missing in my life. There is something in my heart, at the, at the core of my being, that still has not found real satisfaction or true meaning and fulfillment. So he comes to Jesus and says, what am I lacking? And then Jesus really hits him with it, and he says, go sell all your possessions, give them to the poor, and come follow me. And the young man goes away sad because he has great wealth. That's a tough answer, Jesus. It's the kind of answer that gives me pause to think. I don't know if it does for you, too. Like, is that the recipe for all of us who come to Jesus and want that eternal full life in him? Are we to sell everything we have, give it to the poor? You who are young adults here today, are you to go into your closet and find your nicest clothes and shoes, maybe sell your car even? Are you supposed to keep deferring those student loan payments so that you can write a big fat check to Calamasa Seventh-day Adventist Church? We'll take it. Some of you are probably saying, what's a check? I don't, what, what is that? <laughs> Masters, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus isn't saying everyone who wants to follow me must give away everything they have, all their money, all their resources. He is saying those who want to follow me cannot serve two masters. And for this rich young man, his wealth or his position was his master. Wealth can be a good thing. Being a moral good person is a good thing. But when you idolize what is good, you forsake that which is greatest, a life with Jesus. So Jesus tells him, give it all up and be all in with me. I want to suggest to you that Jesus is giving this young man a choice. On the one hand, he is telling him, you can choose to have a good life, a life that is comfortable, a life where you are a moral person, a life where you are a good neighbor in your community, a life where you provide for your family. It's a good life. That's the first choice. Or you can choose to have a great life, a life where you journey with me into that grand adventure called the kingdom of God. It won't always be a comfortable life, but if you let me take you outside your comfort zone, you will grow in ways you could never have imagined. It will not always be a life filled with material gain, but your, but your life will be filled with passion and purpose. There may be uncertain times, but if you put your trust in me, I will accomplish more than you thought possible. It will require sacrifice, but you will never be lacking. It is not the kind of life that the world promotes, but it's the kind of life changes the world. Do you want to live a good life or a great life with me? I think that is the appeal Jesus is presenting to this young man. And that is the appeal I am presenting before us today, family. Do we want to live a good life or do we want to live a great life with Jesus? And I'd like to suggest that we should reflect on that appeal today at two different levels. The first being the individual level, the second being the institutional level. As you search individually 
for purpose, for meaning, for fulfillment in life, will you choose to come to Jesus, go all in, experience life and life to the full, now and forever, or will you settle for a good life? I especially ask that question to those of you who are young adults in our audience today, those who are listening that are in that young adult age group. You who are making those big decisions in your life where things are constantly changing, you're starting to form those lifelong habits where you choose a good life or a great life. And let me say this, your decision will impact not only you, but the rest of us here as well. Because let me tell you this, we desperately need you. We need your life, your energy, your passion, your perspective, your leadership, your vision for the future. I mean, church, did you listen to those answers on the video today? We desperately need you. So your choice doesn't just impact you, it impacts us as well. And let me also say this, as someone who can no longer say they are a younger adult, is a little bit older adult, that the temptation to settle for a good life rather than a great life with Jesus is still a tough one as you get out of those young adult years. That pull, isn't it true, family, to idolize things that should not be idolized doesn't get easier with age. At least it hasn't for me. Maybe I'm not quite old enough yet, but I'm still struggling with it. I am a pastor, which is probably pretty obvious at this point. And uh, I sometimes, just to be real with you today, family, I sometimes am bitter towards God for the call of being a pastor because of the issue of wealth. I'm just being real with you today. I have friends who went into other fields that make four or five times the salary I make. And let me be clear, I make a decent salary. I'm not trying to say that pastors should make more or anything. You can live off of it just fine. And I, I realize that even my salary is more compensation than what other people get in their careers. And I get some special tax breaks, some subsidies. I mean, you know, it's not that bad. Okay, it's decent. But I'm being real with you. Sometimes I will tell God, I could have made so much more doing this. My family situation could have been like this instead of this. Our stress level could be like this instead of this. I hate feeling that way because being a pastor is an enormous privilege. It is an absolute honor to serve in this role. It is filled with incredible meaning and fulfillment. And God is so good. He provides for our needs for our family and and then some. Still, I struggle Comparing myself to friends or neighbors or parents or other pastors or churches. Boy, I wish I had that kind of furniture in our house. I wish we had that kind of room or that kind of house to put furniture like that in it. I wish I had that kind of car in my driveway. I wish I could afford that kind of vacation. I wish we had those facilities, Calamasa Church, or that kind of operating budgets. And before I know it, I am idolizing everything else except Jesus. I become devoted to the good things as if they are the greatest thing. And I have discovered that idolizing such things just leads me to feeling more and more like I'm lacking something. Just like the young man in the story. Which is why I'm so grateful 
for the grace of God, aren't you? That is patient with us, that calls me, give all that up, Darren, and, and come back to that full life with me. I want us to consider on the individual level today, do you want a good life or a great life? And then second, I, I think we need to ponder and consider that appeal at the level of the institution, of the church, in other words. Will we be a community of faith that settles for a good life? Or will we be one that prioritizes and fosters the great life in Jesus? Will we devote our energy to idolizing good things? Or idolizing the only one who is good, Jesus? Maybe some examples. There could be others. Some that came to mind. Will we make styles of worship music more important than the one who we are worshiping? Like the rich young ruler, will we keep track of our good moral decisions or keep track of the one whose morals we should emulate? Will we just do what feels good to us or will we follow the only one who is good? Will we place a higher value on the programs that we like or on the one we are seeking to encounter in every program we do? We are a church family that is beautifully diverse, generationally culturally, in our preferences, in our opinions, in our politics, in our theology, but we are to have one master, Jesus Christ. My appeal to you today, both on the individual level and the institutional level, is this. Are you going to settle for a good life, or are you going to choose the great life of Jesus? I know that our church is oriented so that we're here and you're there looking at us, but I am so of the opinion that church is not a spectator sport, and we're not here to perform for you. We're here to facilitate a worship that you can join in and feel comfortable in participating in. So I invite you as we jump into our theme song for this series to just let us just facilitate your experience of this song and this worship as we sing it to God and we champion this message.
church and we all of us in our different generations and in our diversity of so many other things we are your church and Lord we want to ask for forgiveness today when we might try to build upon other things in our life here at the church things that are good things that might even flow from knowing you, but maybe we somehow idolize those things. We start building on those things rather than building on the rock, which is you. So Jesus, we are here today saying we don't just want a good life. We want a great life. Journey with you into this grand adventure of your kingdom. It's our prayer in Jesus' name.